Coming up on today's WAC podcast, we'll talk with Adam Young, who was embedded at Nick Gonzalez's house, and we'll get his thoughts on Nick Gonzalez going number seven overall to the Pittsburgh Pirates. We're also going to talk to WAC baseball analyst Mark Knudsen, a former big league pitcher who also played in the WAC, get his thoughts on the draft and what could be happening with baseball in light of the COVID pandemic. That's all ahead on the WAC podcast. Gonzalez swings and he crushes it. Left center field. Warning track walk. Goodbye. Today's episode of the WAC Podcast is presented by Hercules Tires. Now here's your host, Eric Danner. Welcome to the WAC Podcast. My name is Eric Danner along with Rachel V. Hill here in our first segment. And, and Rachel, well, we'll get to what we did the, this past weekend, but first we... we had the event we've been waiting for uh, for the last 10, 12 weeks, the Major League Baseball draft. Nick Gonzalez gets drafted, goes number seven to the Pittsburgh Pirates. So I have to tip my hat to you as we predicted last week. You said he would go between seven and nine, and you were absolutely correct. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I was actually, so I was headed to the mountains and I'm like streaming the draft on my phone and I'm getting down to pick five and I'm like, okay, like this could be it maybe. And then of course I lose service right in that moment. I'm like, <laughs> Eric, text me what's happening. And I actually right. caught just as they like went into his house to show the reaction. So it's always my favorite part. So that's what I really wanted to see, which I was happy about. And of course, so happy for Nick. That's awesome for him. Yeah, it's going to be a pretty cool. Our next segment, we're going to go three wide, as they say in NASCAR. We're going to bring in Adam Young, and he was embedded at Nick Gonzalez's house and get his thoughts on what it was like to be there and, and what his thoughts are on Nick going to Pittsburgh. Because I know Adam's been in demand as well. He was on a, on a radio show in Pittsburgh this past weekend. Yes, I know. So exciting. I like wish I could have been there, obviously. Um, Nick and Adam have a great relationship, too. So I know they had a lot of fun and just the excitement and being in the house and, you know, the nerves going up to it. I'm sure Adam's going to have some great stories to tell. And I know Nick was working out like hours before, so that's not surprising at all, but must have been fun to see. Yeah, and he had a good crowd at his house there. And uh, Nick Gonzalez uh, is going to be on uh, Whack All Access on Instagram again this week. Yeah, so he was on two weeks ago, and we kind of talked about pre-draft, but now we're going to talk about the actual day, what it was like leading up to it, and then when he heard his name being called, what that was like. So super excited to sit down and talk with Nick. Obviously, I'm sure his emotions were kind of all over the place on the day of, but um, we're obviously very excited for him, and I'm sure he's excited too, and to see what the next steps are for him. Well, Nick going number seven, he's the first first-round pick in the WAC since 2011, which was Colton Wong, first top 10 pick since 2005 that was Wade Townsend uh, and he had a, an interesting story where he was actually drafted twice he, he went eighth in 2004 and also went eighth in 2005 uh, obviously Nick going seven was above that so the highest pick since 2004 uh, when a couple of rice pitchers were also taken that was back when they won the national championship had three guys taken in the top 10 uh, from their pitching staff so quite an accomplishment for Nick Gonzalez so we're very happy for him, but he was not the only uh, WAC player drafted, Rachel. We had uh, Cade Meckles from Grand Canyon University, was uh, a fourth-round pick. Cade was our preseason pitcher of the year. Obviously, we didn't get to see him a whole lot this year. He was drafted in 2019 in the 40th round, comes back to play at GCU, and he goes in the fourth round. So that's uh, seemingly a much better position for him with the White Sox. 
Yeah, so he had actually decided to go back to Grand Canyon, finish out her, his senior year with the Lopes. But he got Tommy John surgery last month, Eric. So he actually won't be pitching for another year. But Yeah, uh, pretty amazing. That, that he did get drafted. Because uh, if you saw the Quinn Cotton had, uh, re had tweeted, he was he was filming with his phone. And they showed Caden. He had the big thing on his arm. I was wondering about that. And I didn't find that. So good research by you, Rachel, to find out that he had the – the Tommy John surgery. So yeah, and it kind of makes you wonder what's going to happen with, with Nick and with Cade and, and what's going to happen exactly with, with these guys as there is no minor league baseball. Hopefully there's going to be major league baseball. Seemed like a, a done deal maybe a few weeks ago, but kind of still up in the air, Rachel. Yeah, I have no idea what's going to happen with the MLB. Uh, I think maybe Adam might be able to kind of see who uh, Nick talked to to see if there's any idea what the next couple of weeks will be. So I definitely want to talk to uh, Adam about that. But I have no idea for baseball what's going to be going on. I know there was supposed to be a July 4th start, but it doesn't seem like that's going to happen now. So, you know, I'm ready for sports to get back. I know a lot of other sports are coming back, MLS or NBA, but no MLB. Yeah, Rachel, we talked about that a little bit last week as we taped the show on Mondays. Uh, the MLS had not yet announced that they were coming back, I believe, when we did the show last week, and they're going to do the, the World Cup-style uh, tournament in July in Orlando, as the NBA is also planning on going to Orlando. But uh, the NBA, some players this past weekend coming out saying, uh, maybe, hey, not so fast. We're not ready to go back and play yet. Yeah, I tip my hat to everybody because I know everything going on in the world right now is very sensitive topics and they obviously are trying to get a message across but I think a lot of players will follow after LeBron and say that they can still spread this message even while they're playing the game of basketball so for the NBA I have a feeling most players I'm going to go 90 percent will end up playing even though they are trying to really push this message about social right. justice and you, and you figure that the message will probably get out even more when they do have the platform when they're actually playing games and, and all of our attention is on the NBA because there really isn't a whole lot else going on at, at that time. I'm sure there's going to be shirts. Uh, you, you know, they always show players walking into the arenas. I'm sure there's going to be outfits. I'm, I'm sure Instagram captions, it's going to be everywhere. So I don't think it's going to disappear at all. I think it's just going to be a greater attention span, like you said, because everybody's going to be watching. So this is a GCU week uh, for WAC Top Play and, I know the GCU fans, uh, a rabid fan base, uh, and they'll be out voting. And uh, GCU in the news this past week as well, uh, Rachel, men's basketball, they announced that they will be hosting Arizona State, which seems like a no-brainer. They're only eight miles apart, the two campuses, but they have not played since GCU went Division One. In fact, they haven't played a regular season game against each other since 1980. So, uh, again, a tip of the cap, uh, hats off to uh, the administrations at GCU and Arizona State for finally hammering this out. Arizona State uh, was not willing to participate against GCU for a number of years, and, and now it seems uh, that that has uh, gone away, and, and we look forward to seeing the Sun Devils against the Lopes. Yeah, you know, Eric, if you really want to just, like, send me out to that game, I'd be more than happy to <laughs> Yeah, December 13th, I believe, is the date uh, – four o'clock start and that's going to be at home at home so uh, the plan will be to play at GCU which that that's pretty interesting too that the first game will be at GCU and then the following year uh, GCU returns the favor going to Arizona State so uh, that that should be a lot of fun obviously the Havocs will be out in force and we, we've seen how how they go out if you remember a couple of years ago when they played that, that game at the uh, Phoenix Suns Arena at uh, Talking Stick and I believe there was a double header 
and the Havocs. I don't remember if they were cheering for Arizona State or against Arizona State, but had some sort of impact on the game. You know, the Havocs are such a fun group. I feel like they're going to camp out for this one, too. Yeah. They always camp out before the beginning of basketball season, but I feel like this game they could really camp out and just, you know, go full force. I'm sure tickets are going to fly off the walls for that one. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we, we saw, uh, I think, our last graduation uh, of the year was uh, Seattle U. Of course, they're on the quarter system, so their schedule is a little bit different than some of the other WAC schools, and they had their – their online graduation it was kind of fun to see them tweeting out all the uh, uh, the athletic department anyway from their uh, Twitter account uh, tweeting all the athletes that graduated in their their caps and gowns and uh, again we're looking forward to school starting but uh, that, I think that was the last uh, school graduating uh, before we get started for uh, 2021. Yeah, I'm really happy that, you know, some student athletes have been able to do some sort of graduation. I know a lot of them didn't get to actually walk across the stage and accept their diplomas, but I still think it's fun to be able to see them, you know, take the cap and twi or turn it, whatever the tassel, however you call that. Uh, so it's fun to be able to see them do that. I'm, you know, my heart breaks for them all not to be able to walk, but it seems like they had a great time and they've been able to do pictures and some sort of party per se. Uh, so it's been fun to see all of them. I know Morgan Means, his dad tweeted out something too. So it's been exciting to see. I'm happy for all of them. Well, we, we as I mentioned, this is a, a special edition of the uh, WAC podcast. So when we come back, we're going to talk to Adam Young, the director of broadcasting for NM State Sports Properties. You're listening to the WAC podcast. We would like to thank our partners, Hercules Tires, Ticket Smarter, and Adidas. Now, back to the WAC Podcast. Welcome back to the WAC Podcast, presented by Hercules Tires. As promised, we are now joined by Adam Young, the Director of Broadcasting for NM State Sports Properties. Adam, welcome to the show. Our first time with three people on camera for those watching uh, on YouTube. Uh, Adam, uh, first off, I want to ask you, what was it like being in uh, Vail, Arizona at the household of Nick Gonzalez this past week. Yeah, this is really cool, guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, I was just telling you off the air that, I mean, it was one of the coolest things I've seen and I've done here. Uh, to be part of that and to see Nick for 48 hours before the draft and then, of course, to see the draft as well. It was really, really cool. And, uh, you know, you got to see an emotional side of the family and, uh, you got to see the behind the scenes of draft day, which was absolutely awesome. You did a great job of kind of showcasing all of the things Nick was doing beforehand. I know he was working out, but how were the nerves actually before the draft? Yeah, you know, honestly, Rachel, it seemed like he was still the same person. Um, I thought he would get really emotional when the selection happened. And honestly, he just hugged his parents, hugged his family and, um, you know, went on with it. So. He seemed the same to me. I think the parents were a little more nervous and emotional than they usually are. Mike and Jill, who are phenomenal people. He just comes from a really good family. Uh, everybody's humble, genuine. Uh, they care about everybody else. And uh, to see that side of them was really, really neat. And uh, Nick, honestly, he seemed like nothing was going on the day before the draft or even the day of the draft. He just kept on working hard. And was getting his work in he was in the weight room he was getting his swings in and uh and then the draft happened and he was genuinely happy to be uh selected by the pittsburgh pirates so nick goes number seven to pittsburgh i predicted number four last week rachel of course was spot on with her prediction going seven to nine going to pittsburgh 
and kind of the way the draft went, it was a little unusual from all the mocks that we've been looking at. Uh, Nick, I believe, was the first non-Power 5 player selected and also no high school players uh, selected ahead of Nick, which is not a normal draft per se, but it seems like Pittsburgh's a, a really good place for him to go. I think it is. I really do. And to your point, the draft was wacky. You know, I, I was paying attention to mock drafts for months before, believe me, especially during the pandemic. All I had was mock drafts. And then Heston Kerstad goes number two and Meyer goes number three. And at that point, you're like, okay, everything's kind of thrown out the window. Asa Lacey's still on the board and Austin Martin was still on the board. Uh, I think Pittsburgh's a really good fit. I don't know a ton uh, about their farm system. I've done more research since the draft has happened, and I've talked to some people in Pittsburgh doing some interviews, and they feel like he can fly through the system. I mean, the system isn't loaded. The big league club has kind of struggled the last couple of years. So this does seem like a really, really good fit for Nick. And I've said this before, too. I think he's so mature and he's so pro-ready that I don't think he'll have many hiccups along the way. When you draft a 21-year-old, you expect there to be some growth and some maturity as, as life goes on because they're going to start growing up on a bus. And I feel like Nick is so regimented. He's so focused on everything he does that he shouldn't have a big issue with the transition from the college level to the pro level when you're on your own and you don't have people telling you what to do every single day. I think he'll, he'll bode well with that. Do they know what the upcoming future is going to look like? Did they give him any information at all that you can say? Not that I know of. I think normally he'd probably, you know, just start at single A and go from there. But with everything going on, this has been such a weird year where there's really no baseball to be played right now. So he's not going to go anywhere immediately. Uh, I guess, you know, the potential of, you know, the fall league or winter ball somewhere probably would be in his cards just because he hasn't played in a while and he's itching to play. I mean, he's going to work every single day and he's, you know, he's taking cuts in the cage and he's lifting and he's getting better physically. And I know he's had some live work, but I know he's itching to play in a game just like anybody else. And hopefully it's sooner rather than later. Now the fortunate part for Nick is now he's one of their top prospects. So mm -hmm. You know, if there's games to be had, you better believe Nick Gonzalez will be part of them. Talking with Adam Young, the director of broadcasting for New Mexico State Sports Properties. And Adam, uh, we were just mentioning you were there when he got drafted. Uh, when they made the selection, when the commissioner gets up there and he says shortstop, is there any rhyme or reason to that? Do they expect him to be a shortstop? Obviously, he can switch positions, but is he going in expecting to play shortstop or second base? That's an interesting read. I like that, Eric. Uh, I think it's still to be determined, to be honest. Um, I've heard from people leading up to the draft that some organizations might give him the chance to play shortstop right away. If he fails, then you slide him over to second base. And you know that he can be an above average second baseman professionally. So I think that is still to be determined. I've told people before, too that if you throw him out in center field, I saw it his freshman year, he is outstanding defensively in center field. So um, we'll see where they place him. I guess second base is probably the safe choice. Shortstop, he showed this year he could play there, and he has shown uh, collegiately and in his life that he can play in center field as well. He's athletic, um, and wherever you put him, he's going to work harder than anybody else to be the best at that position. So whether that's short, second, or somewhere else, 
he'll he'll be just fine because he's an outwork everybody uh, to get ready to play defensively at that particular position. You've obviously got to watch Nick grow and mature over the last couple of years. And what areas do you really think that he's matured and given himself a really prosper, prosper, I cannot talk anymore. I swear my job is talking and I can't do it. Uh, Which way have you really seen that you think maturity will go on for him in the um, big leagues? Yeah, I think physically, Rachel, um, he's gotten bigger. Um, he's not the biggest guy out there. I think he's listed 5'10", 190, but he, he's he's built. I mean, he, he can lift some weight. There's no question about it. So he's really worked hard in the weight room. Uh, plate discipline improved a lot from his freshman year to his sophomore year. You saw his strikeout numbers go down, his walk numbers uh, go up in that regard. And then defensively, I mean, he improved a lot. Like, he was not the same middle infielder this year that he was last year, and especially um, what he was as a freshman. I saw him improve a lot in that area. Uh, Base running as well. The reason why he went to Katuit on the Cape was because their head coach, Mike Roberts, who used to be the head coach in North Carolina, is known as the base-stealing guru. And uh, that was one of the areas where they felt like Nick could improve his draft stock. So he learned a lot from Coach Roberts on the Cape. And I think he's improved in all areas. His power numbers have gone up every single year. Uh, His walk numbers went up. And this year, when people weren't pitching to him, he wasn't giving in. I mean, he he was not uh, biting at stuff that um, that normally I think hitters would go after. You know, he was just fine taking a walk, which was cool to see. When we uh, saw the stories that they're doing about Nick, uh, of course, uh, Jessica Mendoza interviewed him and, and some of the sidebar stories there. I, I was unaware of his, his brother's story and, and having gone to Navy and, and being a, a member of the military. Uh, how did he uh, fit into the, to the whole celebration there uh, when you're at uh, Nick's house this past Wednesday? Well, it's really cool. And I think this might have been the coolest part of the reaction video. So his brother, Daniel, played college football at Navy and was a captain, a linebacker. He was a stud. He's 6'3", 230, built like a brick house, big, big dude. And he's been a big role model for Nick uh, his entire life. So uh, Daniel went to Navy. He's stationed in Japan. So he couldn't be there, but they were able to get him in through Zoom or Skype or FaceTime. So he was actually on the TV screen that was facing um, our reaction video camera facing the actual television screen. So you could see Daniel raising his arms and going nuts in Japan before anybody else. And uh, that was really, really cool to see that he could still be part of it, uh, be right next to his family. And I know he can't wait to get back to the States to see Nick and give him a big old hug. Uh, But Nick has called him one of his biggest role models. And a big reason why Nick went to New Mexico State is because Daniel went to Navy. So Nick practically never got to see him play when he was in college. And Nick wanted to go somewhere close to home so his parents could come see him play, his sister could come see him play. So he chose New Mexico State, which is honestly an easy three-and-a-half-hour drive from Vail. And uh, he kind of flipped the script on him a little bit because Daniel went so far away. So um, you know, that was cool to see. I think that's, uh, that's an underrated aspect of the reaction video and just the whole draft day for Nick was uh, getting a chance to have his brother um, virtually be there and be part of it. I loved watching that video because, yeah, you noticed his brother yeah. reacting way before anybody else. So you're like, oh, this is happening, obviously. Uh, really exciting. But for you, you've obviously been around the program and everything. Has his parents gone out to a lot of games to watch him at New Mexico State? Were they regulars at the baseball diamond? 
Oh, yeah. If they weren't there, there was something wrong. You knew Mike and Jill would be there. They had an RV uh, with Aggie stickers all over it. And uh, one of the coolest things uh, that Brian Green did when he got here, he said, I, I want to build an RV program. And uh, I mean, he really did that. And it carried over into this year uh, with head coach Mike Kirby in his first season. There were so many RVs out there and it was really cool to see. And uh, his family was part of it. Three and a half hour drive. Uh, they'd bring their RV out every single weekend. Uh, his dad was there pretty much every fall weekend if there was an inter squad scrimmage. So, very close family. Um, but they're not the family that's, you know, out there saying, look at my kid. You, you wouldn't even know it. They're behind the scenes. Uh, they love watching their son go after his dream and they're fully supporting him, but they're behind the scenes for sure. Talking with Adam Young, and you mentioned Brian Green who uh, recruited Nick, and uh, the story is that Nick was a, a walk-on, at least his, his first year there, and uh, as you mentioned, Mike Kirby took over this past year, so didn't get a full season with Nick, but I know Brian was also a, a big part of uh, this celebration as well. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it, it's cool to see how many people were part of his journey. I mean, it, it, you know, it, it's one of those things where so many people helped him along the way and uh, got a chance to help him grow, and like you said, he was a preferred walk-on, which is absolutely incredible. And, um, you know, he came here thinking that he would play as a freshman and get a chance to prove to the coaches that he was college ready. And then he'd get on scholarship in year two, which is what happened. He told his parents, he said, look, you're just got to pay for one year. I'll get on scholarship in year two. And uh, he proved a lot of doubters wrong. And, and he really built uh, quite the name here in the Southwest. I love that. I on it, it's those are the best stories, you know, when they're walk-ons and then they become this big superstar almost. And you're just so happy to show that hard work always does kind of triumphal. I, I love that story about Nick. Honestly, you could argue that the two best players in program history were walk-ons. Daniel Johnson, if you guys recall, uh, was drafted back in 2016 by the Nationals. He was a walk-on as well. So uh, the two guys that, you know, have a really good shot at making it to the major leagues. And there's plenty of others scattered around the minor leagues right now for the Aggies. But uh, the two guys who are elite prospects, uh, they were both college walk-ons, which, you know, I think it's a cool story for any young kid thinking about, you know, going somewhere as a walk-on. Well, you know, those two guys turned into uh, something pretty special. Was there a good amount of teammates there for the Aggies at Nick's house? Or did he have any friends? I know Joey Ortiz and him are still pretty close. Was yeah. he to go? Yeah, there were a couple. You know, it, it's hard now because of social distancing and everything. I think it was different than, than most years. But, um, you know, the pandemic, because of the pandemic, uh, the draft was not in Omaha because, you know, before it was supposed to be in Omaha. And I'm assuming it probably would have been close family only kind of a green room type scenario. Uh, but this was a little different. So he was able to do it in his hometown. And um, yeah, Joey was there. And um, I talked to Joey day of, I did an interview with Joey and he said, uh, he said that if they're playing ping pong, they're competing against each other. They've made each other better. And I've heard that from numerous teammates, coaches, um, that were around when Joey and Nick were on the same team together. Those two guys pushed each other every single day and they were great for each other. And still to this day, they're best friends. So, uh, it's still the same way. Adam, last thing for me, uh, Obviously, with Nick going number seven, we saw Cade Meckles from uh, Grand Canyon go in the fourth mm -hmm. round. 
Tristan Peterson, there was talk he, he might have a shot. Um, obviously, it, 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 if it was a normal draft, he probably would have been selected probably in the top 10 rounds. Any idea what some of those guys who are maybe on the bubble for getting drafted, uh, what their plans are, if they're going to try to come back to school or, or try to sign or, or maybe move on? Yeah, I think they're still going through that process where they're trying to weigh their options. Um, you know, Tristan Peterson, of course, put up ridiculous numbers. I mean, he's a pro bat. There's no question. And defensively, he's great over at first base. So he's a pro player. And it's just been a weird year with five rounds. And then it's tough to sign some of these guys, too. There's only so much money. And, um, you know, for somebody like Tristan, he has leverage. I mean, he still has a college year remaining. Uh, Chris Jefferson, another guy who undoubtedly, if this was a normal draft year, Chris Jefferson was well on his way to getting drafted, I think, pretty early. Um, uh, Chance Roach, an, another guy that could have potentially – uh, got drafted this year. So there were certainly names that we were hearing. And then once it goes to five rounds, everything changes. And uh, for these guys, they have decisions to make. Um, and I think part of the decision too is uh, if you do sign uh, this year, will there be baseball for you to play before uh, next February and next March um, at the pro level? So uh, there's a lot of factors there. And it was cool to see Kate Meckles uh, get drafted. I, I think that was something that might have been a little bit unexpected. I think he was one of the borderline guys where uh, they thought maybe he would go, maybe he wouldn't go. He wasn't in the top 500 from Baseball America, uh, but we got to see him uh, last year. And I mean, if I'm a scout and I'm watching Cade Meckles, the velocity doesn't wow me, but I think he has a big league changeup. And I think that's why he gets drafted um, so early as he has a big league pitch right now. Um, and he was phenomenal for Grand Canyon. So that was cool to see for the conference. And, uh, you know, we'll see how the signings over the next couple of days and weeks kind of go. But, um, you know, tough time, of course, for these guys to make uh, these hard decisions that will affect the rest of their life. What were your thoughts when you heard that the draft was just going to be five rounds? What were your initial reactions? I was really disappointed. I mean, for, for these families, for these guys, because even if, even if you do sign – it's not the same as hearing your, your name called and seeing that on the television screen or getting that call from your agent saying, hey, they're about to take you. And then you get to listen to that and share that moment uh, with your family. Uh, I've talked to a lot of our guys who have been drafted since I've been here the last couple of years. And you know, they talk about that being the best moment of their life so far. And you want that for guys like Tristan Peterson. You know, you, you want them to experience that moment because, you know, they've worked so hard for it. Um, it's, it's not the end by any means. You can sign, you can come back another year and then get drafted next year potentially. But, um, you know, I know a guy like Tristan was very deserving of that this year. And unfortunately, with the five rounds, you don't get drafted. And there's signability issues there too. And, um, you know, there's a lot of different factors that play into it. But um, the nice thing is the NCAA giving those guys the year back. So you do have some leverage. You can still go back to school and finish out your career if you want to on uh, the high note you wanted to. Well, Adam, I want to thank you for taking some time out. Uh, as, as Rachel mentioned, we we're both jealous that uh, you had that opportunity to, to sit there with Nick because that's a, a moment uh, you're never going to forget and, and obviously a moment that Nick's never going to forget. It was really cool, guys. And I told Nick, I interviewed him like five minutes after it was done, and I said, Nick, I just looked down at my phone and I have like 75 text messages. I can't imagine – uh, what your phone is like right now. And uh, he said, I haven't even looked at it yet. So that's just the kind of guy he is. He's just focused on uh, 
everybody in the room and everybody around him. And we can't wait to follow his pro career. And I haven't got my Pirates hat yet, but uh, it's coming soon. All right, that is Adam Young, Director of Broadcasting for New Mexico State Sports Properties. For those listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud, coming up next, we're going to have Mark Knudsen, WAC Baseball Analyst, former WAC Baseball player. So we have plenty of more baseball to talk about. You're listening to the WAC Podcast. Today's episode of the WAC Podcast is presented by Hercules Tires. Now, back to the WAC Podcast. Welcome back to the WAC Podcast. Eric Danner with you, reminding you that Hercules Tires is the official tire of the Western Athletic Conference and for over 65 years has been providing tires with unbeatable quality at an unmatched value. Whatever the vehicle, whatever the terrain, Hercules Tires invites you to ride on our strength. For a retailer near you, visit HerculesTires.com. And joining us now on the WAC Podcast is a man of many talents. He's a baseball analyst for the WAC. He's a coach. He's a writer. He's a radio host. He's a former Major League Baseball player. His name is Mark Knudsen. Mark, how are you doing today? I'm good. I, you know, you read that list off, I realize I'm a master of our uh, Jack of all trades master. Of <laughs> I, I would tend to disagree with that, Mark, but uh, we appreciate having you on the show. And uh, Glad to be here. Obviously, uh, we missed having you. Uh, was looking forward to the WAC baseball tournament, but uh, uh, we, you know, with the COVID uh, pandemic, uh, everything got canceled yep. there. And, and uh, you, uh, as I mentioned, you're a high school baseball coach. So obviously that got well, uh, canceled as well. So, so what yep. have you been up to uh, during all these cancellations and what have you been doing during the quarantine? Well, I most certainly missed going to Phoenix for the tournament. I had a great time in 2019. I was really looking forward to that again. Um, the quality of play in the West Netflix conference has gotten um really really good i mean obviously we saw what happened with the draft and, and all that i mean i, I think uh, i was very impressed with what i saw in 2019 and i was really looking forward to, to this year so i guess we'll just have to put that off for a year and try to go back to hopefully business as usual in, in 2021 as for this year yeah it was very frustrating losing my high school baseball season uh, my i had a class of seniors that, that came in the same year i did they um they worked their tails off all off season to get ready for this this year we had a chance to compete at the top part of our league, and we played a really tough league, three A league in Denver. Um, so that all came tumbling down, and it was really, really disheartening for those kids. I spent a lot of time in the spring trying to figure out a way to concoct some kind of way where we could play in the summer, where we could play uh, the same teams in our league and just play an unofficial summer season because obviously high school season was officially canceled, um, and that never materialized either. Uh, playing fields are still hard to come by. Right. You can't find a place to play baseball right now. Um, a lot of schools aren't even letting players on their or teams on their own fields, and so we never got to do that either. And it was really tough. I did get to have one uh, found a field to play an inter squad game on at the end of May with my team, with my old team, and we, all the parents got together and did a barbecue, which was a, a thing they did every year during during the season during between games and doubleheaders. So we kind of did a makeshift version of, of senior day, and that was good. Uh, that took some work to put together, but at least we got to do that much. And then. Uh, now it's just kind of turn this page and start trying to look at 2021 and get guys into summer ball and, and work with some of the kids that aren't playing summer ball on my own. You know, there's a lot of moving parts here to try to put things back together. I know I'm not certainly not unique. Everybody's in the same boat, trying to find a way to make things somewhat normal moving forward. Yeah, it, it, a very strange year, Mark. And uh, obviously, you played in the majors for eight years, and and yeah. uh, 
spent a lot of time around the, the Colorado Rockies. And um, what's what's going on with baseball right now? Are we going to have Major League Baseball this uh-huh. year? And, and I guess uh, in, uh, adjacent to that would be what becomes of Minor League Baseball? Well, I'm, I'm kind of on the reverse side of this in a lot of ways. I, I don't know that it's all that critical that we have Major League Baseball this year. Everybody's you know, a lot of hand-wringing, a lot of clamoring. you got to get on the field. It, you know, baseball was put in the worst situation in any sport. Obviously, the NCAA is in the middle of getting ready for March Madness, and they just canceled everything. They just said no March Madness, no t- league tournaments, no anything. Obviously, black people know that as well as anybody. No college World Series, none of it. Um the NBA and the NHL were at the very end. They had eight games left at the beginning of the season. The players had already been paid. Everything was already done for you. The TV contracts had already been fulfilled, other than the postseason, which they're trying. They're going to try to do now in in August. Um, so they had they had. I mean, it's not that it wasn't disrupted to them, but it wasn't like a total upheaval. Wimbledon got canceled. The British Open got canceled. Kentucky Derby and all season Masters moved to the fall. So everybody's scrambling. But baseball was, had just started training. They're the only ones that had to try to figure out how we're going to pay the players since we can't have any fans in the stands. How are we going to do this, this, and this? And do they do it all perfectly? No. But there's been no blueprint for this, right? There was, there's no. Well, last time we had a pandemic, we did this, and there isn't any of that. There's no guidelines, so they're, they're just kind of flying blind here, trying to figure out a way to do it. The owners looked at their books and said, you know, if we pay these players their regular salaries for half the season, we're going to lose millions. And they, yes, they could all do that and survive. They right. might have to sell a beachfront property or something. They'll do it and survive. They're, they're very wealthy. On the flip side, they didn't. They got wealthy by not making those kinds of business decisions. So I, I can see this from both sides. I understand why the owners don't want to play and don't want to play much of a season at all. They really want to play a postseason. Um, the players just want to get out there and play, but the players are putting themselves in jeopardy. I mean, for a 70% pay cut, you're going to go out there in these really weird circumstances. I mean, the safety regulations, the guidelines they're putting out there, I think are awful. I mean, just... The players can't sit together in the dugout. They can't high five. They can't. They can't do anything. They can't do anything that's normal baseball. They can't spit, Eric. They can't go on the field and spit. I, I spit automatically. I'm like a robot. I didn't spit in the broadcast booth with Michael last year, but otherwise, when I'm at the baseball field, I'm spitting. And I've spit. I wear a mask around like I was supposed to all all the time. I've spit into it three times just out of habit. So they're gonna try to tell me I can't step out of a pitcher's mound and and spit. I mean, that's just, it's, it's a reaction to me. It's a habit. And, they're just, and they, you know, you can't high-five. You can't do anything. And it's, um, you know, players are sitting in the stands and not in the dugout, the reserve. I just think the on-field product's going to be, I don't know, sub subpar. I don't think we're going to see uh, When they do it out there, they'll get out there for 50 games or so and maybe have a postseason. I think the product's going to be bad. I, I just don't, I don't think the players are going to like what they see. And I, I think the NCAA made the right call in and say, all right, we're just going to focus on next year. Yes, they take on monstrous financial hit, but, and, you know, some non-revenue sports are getting dropped because of it. Mm-hmm. But if football can, can come back and play somewhat normally, then maybe, you know, things can get back to normal. That's baseball just, in my mind, ought to just pull the plug and go back and plan on spring training in 2021 and under normal circumstances. There won't be any labor problems. They want to blame the owners and the players right now, well, yeah, would you be in a good mood to negotiate if you got put in this situation? Of course not. You can't blame the owners and players. They got stuck in a no-win situation. So um, it'll be interesting to see how football deals with it. Uh, and, you know, we know how everybody sports dealt with it, but the baseball doesn't get an A-plus for dealing with it. Obviously, they, you know, they, if there was some magic formula, they didn't find it. But I, I think it's too harsh to just come down and talk about the death of baseball and the greed and all that one. No one was prepared for this. 
one knew what to do. And so they didn't do it all right. So be it. It doesn't mean next 2021 will be business as usual. Then they got the collective bargaining agreement. Now that's a different, that's a completely different topic. That's a completely different set of negotiations. You're not trying to divvy up losses like you are right now. Now you're trying to divvy up gains for the future. So that will be a true test you know, for, for an industry that's had labor peace for a quarter century. The, the players in, in the WAC, athletes in the Western Athletic Conference right now, were not alive the last time there was a labor stoppage in baseball. So the history's not bad. It's just not bad. So hopefully they can put this year aside, negotiate in good faith moving forward, and baseball's really over the long haul is unaffected by this. Yeah, well, ho- hopefully the, the COVID-19 uh, uh, pandemic uh, yeah. levels out and, and uh, you know, yep. they're talking about a, a second wave in December, but hopefully we get yep, a vaccine absolutely. and everything is back to normal. Yep. As you say, we're talking to Mark Knudsen. The one normal thing I guess baseball did, even though it wasn't normal because they only did five rounds, was the MLB draft this past week. And yep. Nick Gonzalez of New Mexico State goes number seven to the Pittsburgh Pirates. Highest draft pick we've had in the WAC actually since uh, 2005, I believe, uh, was uh, yep. the last time we had a, a player taken in the top 10. And the, yep. the last time we had one as high as Nick was the year before. That was back when Rice was a member of the uh, Western Athletic Conference. Yeah. And they had three pitchers taken in the top 10. Mm-hmm. So quite a, quite an achievement for Nick and the first uh, non-Power 5 player taken in this year's draft. Yeah, he um, obviously had a, got off to a tremendous start. I think they played like 16 games this year, and he was – was having a monster season, but that's not what the scouts are really looking at. Even though the numbers were spectacular, they're looking at the talent. They're, looking, they're projecting what's this kid going to look like in the future in, in, with a wood bat in a big ballpark against top flight pitching. And they believe Nick Gonzalez has the goods. Um, now Pittsburgh is an organization with a lot of depth, young depth at shortstop. They've, they've spent a lot of draft picks on, and acquisitions on young shortstops. So most of the think most of the guys who play on a big league diamond have played shortstop at one point in their life. Right. Uh, you usually put your best athletes there, and then you find them a position right. when they come out. So I won't be. I'll be surprised if Nick Gonzalez is a shortstop. He played second base last year, as everybody knows. So I, I think we'll probably see him as a second baseman in the big leagues or in, in the pros. Nick Gonzalez is going to have to take a deep breath, go into professional baseball probably next spring. I'm guessing the first time he'll get to do anything um, without carrying that burden of being a first round draft pick. Just be yourself, play the game, learn, progress. They're not looking for Nick Gonzalez to come into spring training next year and, and be Trevor Story. They're not expecting that. They're expecting Nick Gonzalez to show improvement on a daily basis. I think he's got the work ethic. I think he's got the skills. If he puts the time in and, and makes steady progress, he's got a head start on the younger guys because he is a college player. That's a big advantage. College players have a big head start on the younger guys, the high school draft picks. Those kids are probably going to spend five to six years in the minor leagues where Nick could do that in half that time. So if he shows progress, he's going to go to A-ball, double-A, triple-A, and he's going to have a shot at the big leagues in, in three years. And uh, what, a, what a great moment that would be for the Aggie baseball program and for the Western Athletic Conference. Yeah, the last time we had a, uh, a middle infielder selected in the top 10 as a guy I believe you might have played against, Mark, and Corey Snyder uh, was uh-huh. at BYU. Oh, yeah. Uh, was drafted in 1984 in the the fourth overall yep. pick to the Cleveland Indians as a shortstop. Yep. And, and as you know, he, he wound up playing, I, I believe, a lot of right field when he uh, got to yep. the big leagues. Well, Corey, Corey had an incredible throwing arm, just a, a rocket. And when he was at BYU, I was at, I was at CSU when he first came to BYU. Wally Joyner was playing first base for BYU back then. I mean, that, that BYU team back in the, in the mid-'80s, early-'80s, you know, you had, you had the, a guy named Rick Aguilera, a pitcher who couldn't crack their starting rotation and went right. on to become a multi-time all-star for the Minnesota Twins. Um, you know, you Wally Joyner at first base, Corey Snyder at third base, they, they were loaded. And I remember a time where Corey was 
I, I wasn't here to see this, but the story, Wally confirmed it. Corey picked up a ground ball in practice and threw it across the diamond, got, gunned it. Wally was expecting kind of a normal throw with a little bit of dip at the end. And this ball rose. This ball lifted. It went oh, off his glove and hit him in the head uh, because Corey had such a rocket. He threw 90 miles an hour across the diamond. <laughs> he was he was an amazing player. And then when he went to Cleveland, they uh, they moved him to the outfield. But he was never going to be a shortstop. Way too big to be a shortstop. But he came a, became a really good big league outfielder for the Indians. Played against him a lot in the American League. And uh, he had a great career. And, yeah, those, he was a great player. Um, you know, I, there's been a lot of them come through the West Athletic Conference even after BYU left. Yeah, we definitely. Uh, Reese Hoskins yeah. is, is yeah. another guy yeah. uh, for there the Phillies, go. and he didn't. He was not a first round pick. So it's it's yeah. been a while. Uh, Wade Townsend was actually the the last time we had a pick this high, and he was a pitcher at Rice, and he actually had the 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 distinction of being drafted eighth overall in the 2004 draft, didn't sign with the Orioles, came back the next year and was the eighth overall pick once again uh, the following year. But he was the only one of the 18 players who have been taken in the top 10 from the WAC who didn't make the major leagues. He uh, blew out his arm and double A ball. And, and actually he made the, uh, the World Series, but it was the World Series of poker. Because uh, he, he's he's about <laughs> six foot four question. and he's got a big uh, blonde mohawk and he, he was in the World Series of Poker. But they're, they're wow. as you mentioned, some great players: Mark uh, Reggie Jackson, Rick Monday, the yeah. first ever uh, first overall pick in the baseball draft mm-hmm. from Arizona State when they were a member of the WAC. Yep. Uh, yep. Bob Horner played in the WAC uh, when he was the number one overall yep. pick. Went on to play for the Braves. So uh, a did great. Not, did not spend. I mean, Bob Horner didn't spend a day in the minor leagues, if I'm not mistaken. He went straight to the big leagues. Yeah, the yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Now you played at Colorado State when they were a member of the WAC and had a baseball program. Went in the third round yep. in 1982 to the Houston Astros. Went on to play eight seasons in the majors. So, how, how have you seen college baseball change since you were drafted back in 1982? Well, I think the big thing, and, and I'm I'm kind of an outlier here in another topic I've been debating on my radio programs about contracting minor league, the minor leagues. Right. You know, Major League Baseball wants to pare it down by, by 42 clubs, which is roughly one, just over one team, you know, 30 baseball teams, so one and a half clubs per team. I think there are too many. I'm a big minor league fan. I think there should be a minor league for, base, for basketball and football as well. I don't think the colleges should be forced to be the farm systems for the NBA and the NFL. That being said, baseball is just too big, too much of a good thing. I mean, I see it cut down because the younger guys who are in there should be going to the, to the colleges. The, the, the guys who are in the 25th plus round should be going to play college baseball. That would improve the product. What I've seen in college baseball over the years is better coaching, much better coaching. You got guys like Andy Stankiewicz who played professionally who are now coaching in college. It didn't used to be that way. It used to be that if you, if you were a former pro, you stayed coaching the pros. That's it. If they cut down the minor leagues, that would be that many more guys that could go coach in college. Because I think Tony Gwynn was kind of the trendsetter for that in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. Darren Urstein at Nebraska, there's been some others who um, who coached pro, not just former pros, but former really good player pros. I mean, Tony Gwynn's one of the greatest of all time, Hall of Famer, goes to coach in in the um, in the college ranks. So I think more of that that trend has helped baseball a lot. And I think um, because you're, you're seeing it, like Andy, when Andy runs, I, I videotaped Andy's infield practice last year from the booth on my phone because I wanted to emulate that with my team. I was no way I could do it. It's a major league style infield practice. In fact, it's more elaborate than major league ba- than professional baseball's infield. Ba- pro baseball doesn't really take infield before games anymore. But Andy's doing the old school way they used to do it when we were playing. And it's great to watch. It's great practice. And it gets everybody involved. And I think those types of teaching tools that you can bring a, a professional baseball approach in the college game really helps the college game a lot. 
and I because there's constant movement, constant activity, you're not wasting any time. I, I think that's really, really valuable, and that's that's the biggest improvement I've seen in college baseball over the last couple decades. And we did see one other uh, player from the WAC selected in this year's draft, as it was only five rounds instead of the normal 40, as Cade Meckles from Grand Canyon mm-hmm. went in the fourth round. Uh, last year, he was also drafted in the 40th round, came back uh, for his senior year. And as I understand it, actually, I uh, just found this out today, that he had that Tommy John surgery uh, in, in the past week, and but still got selected in the fourth round uh, going to the White Sox. So uh, could be a, a sign of things, Mark, in the, in the that uh, probably not going to be minor league baseball this year, I'm guessing. Oh, no, there won't be any minor league baseball this year. Um, each major league baseball team is getting what's going to be termed a taxi squad, the old football term. Right. Um, for and I wrote today on WoodyPage.com that um, – actually, no, it's, excuse me, it's not on WoodyPage, it's on a different website – that the Rockies are currently in a position where having to find another field within 100 miles of course field because – you, you need a taxi squad because of the social distancing things. There's no mind league. They can't go to Albuquerque. They can't go to Grand Junction. They can't go back to spring training. they got to be within 100 miles of the home base. And one place the Rockies might end up is Colorado Springs, the old AAA. They, they can work out a deal there. So this taxi squad is going to be the de facto minor leagues. And certainly nobody who's drafted this year is going to be part of that. So I, I, I assume, and obviously Cade's going to be rehabbing anyway. Um, Injury, arm surgeries are, are, are a bad thing because I, I deal with a lot of young parents, young parents of young players that think, well, it's inevitable that he gets the surgery, so he might as well get it, get it now because he'll come back stronger. Well, the human body does not come back stronger after being cut open. It just doesn't happen. What comes back stronger is you do a bunch of rehab after that. That makes you stronger, and it lasts. And if Cade does his rehab right, he should be okay. If he doesn't, he's more susceptible to get hurt again. Uh, much more susceptible than, than a normal than a guy who was never injured. So it's up to him now to do the rehab and put the time in. But his history tells you he'll do that. I mean, he's been at different schools. He's an older kid. He's, he kind of would be on the fast track to the big leagues if he were, were, were not injured because of his college experiences, junior college and, and with uh, Grand Canyon. So I think um, it's all about his rehab. Does he do the rehab right? Does he does he work hard uh, at it and he come back stronger and, and healthy and and the White Sox obviously think they saw they, for a senior to be drafted that high, they've got to see something real special in because most of the time it's underclassmen and the high school kids that get drafted in the top ten. Talking with Mark Knudsen and Mark uh, California Baptist had a signee, uh, Kalai Rosario, go to the fifth in the fifth round. With no minor league baseball this year, uh, it seemed, uh, you know, Gonzalez went seventh. All the guys ahead of him were all uh, Power Five guys. I think the eighth or ninth pick was the first high school player taken, which usually you see more high school guys taken, it seems, in the uh, higher part of the draft. Do you think uh, there might be more of a movement to to get some of these more seasoned guys, uh, especially this year, not knowing what uh, baseball is going to look like maybe for the next couple of years? I think what they'll do is they'll – Try to open their spring training facilities, at least in the fall. Maybe the Arizona Fall League can, can happen. Um, don't know about that yet. Obviously, we're waiting on a lot of things. If that happens, they open up their spring training facilities, they can bring a limited number of guys down for, to train them in the, oh. in the fall. Um, I don't think you'll see that in the summer. You don't want to go to Arizona in the summer. <laughs> but right. I think if, um, if they do something like that, Pirates oh. can open up their spring training facility in Bradenton. You might see um, you might see these guys get down there for some training, off-season training, which would be pretty typical, but um, you don't get to be where Nick Gonzalez is if you're not a self-starter. If you're not somebody that, that puts in the time on your own in the cage, wherever you're going to be, 
Um, I think teams are, are going to be counting on that. We've seen lots of videos from lots of big league players about how, what they've been doing during this time off when they were quarantined at home. Some of them have pages of their house or whatever. Um, and we're going to see this across. We're going to see this across sports. We're going to see this in the NBA when the NBA comes back at the end of July. Who's been working out and who hasn't? Because the teams are just now starting to let guys come back to their facilities. If you haven't been doing putting your work in during the, during this quarantine, you're going to be left behind. You're not going to get to play. You're going to get hurt. So I think. Um, if, if Nick Gonzalez and, and the rest of the guys who are getting a chance to sign and Derek Smith from Grand Canyon signed a, a free agent deal as well, if you're going to put if you put the time and put the work in, you might be at a leg up when they do get, gather as a group, and who knows when that will be, to start group workouts, which, like I said, maybe will be in, in uh, the fall. Mark, you talked a little bit uh, earlier about uh, your coaching at Prospect Ridge Academy in Denver. And with the high school season being canceled, obviously the seniors in high school don't have that opportunity to come back for another year as, as they do in the NCAA this year. What, uh, what's that going to be like for them? Because not having that opportunity to, to showcase themselves for college scouts that senior year, if they weren't on the radar already, is it almost like a lost generation type effect uh, with these guys who are high school well, seniors going to be high, uh, college freshmen this year? Yeah, I think it is a tough year to be a, a, an incoming freshman. Um, I spoke with the coach, that daughter coach at Regis, you know, Regis uh, High School in Denver. There's 18 seniors this year. They were state champions in, 20, champions in 2019 at the highest level in Colorado. And he was going to react 18 seniors. He was desperate to get out and play some baseball. Those guys really wanted to defend their state championship. Obviously, they didn't get a chance to do that. And he was, was concerned about their their opportunity to be seen by college scouts to get an opportunity to go. I I don't know how that's going to turn out for those kids. I know with my kids, I only had, I had six seniors. One's going to play small college football. One's going to play golf at the University of Louisville. The other four, um, I only had one of those other four that really wanted to play at the next level. He's a, a tall kid, tall skinny kid. He's to put on some weight. I told him that I think his best bet is to not necessarily take a year off, but maybe go to a community college or take online classes. Get rid of, get some of your electives done that you can transfer, and next year be an incoming freshman. Because this year with the logjam, there's just no roster spots for a lot of these kids on a lot of these teams. Yeah, a few of them are going to sign. There'll be a few spots. Man, unless you're a highly talented recruit, even at the junior college level. I had one of my kids from the year before who's at Lamar Junior College and redshirted this year at Lamar. He's going to basically have to redshirt again at Lamar because he's got nowhere to go. I mean, there's no The whole squad is returning. So um, it's a tough spot for these kids. It sounded great, and it was the right move. To give them, okay, we're just going to give everybody another year of eligibility, just like a redshirt year for everybody. That, that was the right thing to do, but it's not without ramifications. Uh, talking to Carly Iwasaki in Northern Colorado, he wasn't sure what he was going to do. Um, he had a, some incoming freshmen he was real high on, but he had a senior pitcher that he was really high on keeping, so he was going to have to do some juggling. And, you know, college baseball doesn't have a ton of scholarship money. They got to split it up as it is. Now they, they split it up more. Uh, I, my advice to high school kids out there, high school baseball players out there, is Start lining up academic financial aid as soon as you can. Start getting your, your, your academic financial aid in order because that, that's going to make college baseball coaches love you because you, you take that problem off their plate. They're going to love you if you have financial aid that's not related to baseball to bring with you into college. Talking with Mark Knudsen. Mark, uh, you talked a little bit about minor league baseball as well. I live in Colorado Springs, and the uh, the Rocky Mountain Vibes are the rookie league team here, as you mentioned, the AAA for years and years until this past yep. year. And uh, this was on the chopping block even before all this uh, COVID yep. stuff started to happen, where there's talk of contraction with the major league teams yep. in, in uh, what they're going to do with the minor leagues. Do you, do you see that as a possibility that they would go to 
Would it be just AAA, or would they do AA, AAA? What's, no, what's this going to look if like? They, if, they, if they contract, they're going to contract, contract 42 franchises right now. I wouldn't be surprised if that number gets shaved down to maybe 30, you know, number of teams, one, one affiliate per team. So you're still going to have AAA, AA, single A, and a, at least a rookie team and maybe a, a, a you know, fall league team. I, I, this isn't going to be a major thing. There's a, I don't know how you do that exact number, but 30 baseball teams have – Somewhere between six, seven, the Dodgers I think have eight minor league affiliates. So there's a lot of minor league affiliates out there. This is this is like trimming your hair. If you have long hair, it's like it trimmed. Um, so it's not going to be huge. Now, now in Colorado, like you mentioned, both of the affiliates in Colorado, both the A ball affiliates, the Vibes and the Grand Junction Rockies, have been listed as teams that might be on the chopping block. Uh, everything, all the research I've done, and I've tried to talk to Dick Moffat, the Rockies owner, about this. I'm friends with Dick, but Major League Baseball has a gag order on the owners. Dick is the only or- Major League Baseball owner. Who has an ownership franchise in the minor league team that's on the chopping block because mm. he's a part owner of the Grand Junction Rockies. So he's on both sides of the debate. He'd be fascinating to talk to about this. And he was ready, all ready to talk to me about it. And then Rockies PR people said, no, 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 there's a gag order. We can't do that. So still waiting for the opportunity to talk to Dick about this because I'd love to get his take. But it's all about, from all the research I've done, facilities. Major League Baseball wants improvement in facilities. So the, you've been to the facility in Colorado Springs, Eric. The right field pavilion they made is very nice. The new clubhouse is very nice. The third base side, the third base locker room, visitors' locker room, has unchanged since they built the place in 1988. Right. So it, they, that facility is not up to current standards of AAA baseball. And that's why the, the, that team was moved out of Colorado. Triple A team was moved out of Colorado Springs. It's not a AAA ballpark anymore. Um, the other good side to to contraction is that minor league baseball players are currently paid horribly. They make nothing. They don't even make minimum wage based on the hours they put in and the, salary, and the salaries they make. Right. And from the owner's standpoint, you can say, well, listen, I've got this many bazillion players to pay. I can't pay everybody that much money. So the owner's thing, if I pay 25 to 30 less players, maybe I can pay them. But they, they're going to pay. They're going to have to end up paying them better. There's, there's no way around that. It's, it's going to court. But fewer players, may, fewer teams may mean maybe a better product. Like pruning a tree. Maybe it's going to be a better product. Um, now, do I hope the Vibes and the Rockies avoid the chopping block? Of course. I mean, you definitely want to see that. They're both good class. They're good baseball towns. Grand Junction in particular is a great baseball town. Home of the Juco World Series. Mm-hmm. So you hope it doesn't happen. But, yeah, it's definitely at home in Colorado when it does happen. Talking with Mark Knudsen. And, Mark, as we mentioned, you played at Colorado State, uh, which no longer has a uh, – NCAA-affiliated uh, baseball program. I believe right. they have club baseball. Uh, there was recently yep. a group of Power 5 coaches, uh, and they also included Reggie Christensen, the head coach at uh, Sacramento State, about an idea to try to move the NCAA baseball season to begin in mid-March with the College World Series finishing up at the end of July. Pretty interesting concept, especially for colder weather climates where yeah. it's obviously almost impossible to get games in February. If you start in mid-March, uh, ha- have a better a- idea there. But I-, I guess there's also ramifications there because if you do that for baseball, would you have to do that for softball and golf and tennis and some of the other spring sports that are also impacted by weather? Wanted to see what your thoughts on uh, were on that, if, if that might be a way to maybe help rescue some of these baseball programs that uh, are on the chopping block, as you mentioned. Well, and, and again um... – lessen the impact of losing a minor say, say a team has a place like knoxville tennessee has a as a double a has had a double a team for a long time i'm just using that as an example i don't think they're on the chopping block but if knoxville were to lose their minor league affiliate 
now you have Tennessee, University of Tennessee baseball taking filling that void a little bit. So that mm-hmm. wouldn't be bad. I think you're going to get pushback on this from the warm weather places. The SEC probably can say, no, no, we got an advantage here. We don't want to lose that advantage. The Texas schools, hey, we like this. This is great to start in February because, you know, the teams from the North have to come down and play us just to get a game in. So you'll see some pushback. But if, if the Big Ten gets behind it, if, um, you know, some of the, I don't know, Big 12 is kind of split down the middle there, but um, you might see it happen. I could, I could see it happen, and I wouldn't be against it at all for all sports. Uh, college athletes are basically year-round anyway now, right? I mean, other than 2020, which is an outlier, uh, these guys get a little bit of time off, and then they're back for conditioning. More than football players are back in what June and July. They get a little bit of time off, and then they're back to do conditioning work. So, I don't think it'd be a dramatic change to have them stay on campus, even when classes are out of session. And classes, summer school is in session, so you could do it. It might have an impact on attendance, maybe uh, student-wise. But then again, who wants to sit in freezing cold temperatures and watch a baseball game? So, um, you know, I think back, I think about a place like Lincoln, Nebraska, that has. The University of Nebraska has a wonderful facility there, but it's shared by a minor league affiliate, the Lincoln Salt Dogs, which is an independent minor league team in the summertime. So there'll be some scheduling issues, right? Because, you know, you can't both use the field the same day. So there'll be some scheduling issues around that. But that's all stuff that can be worked out. If it's for the betterment of college baseball, and I think that would be, I'm all for it. Yeah, and that's the same story at Utah Valley. They share their facility yep. with the uh, Orem uh, Owls, uh, mm-hmm. which play yep. in that same league that we're just talking about with the Vibes mm-hmm. and with the uh, Grand Junction Rockies. Hey, Mark, uh, any uh, plans this summer? Uh, you, you mentioned when uh, you know you try to get some uh, coaching in, but uh, there was no ball fields around. Uh, yeah. I know you continue uh, uh, with your radio uh, show and, and oh, yeah. your writing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's that's cool. But I, I, as we speak, my son, my autistic son and I are getting ready to do to deliver meals on wheels. We've been doing that uh, through the whole pandemic. Actually, started way before that. Just up our, our involvement here during the pandemic. So we get out, we start get involved in the community, get, get busy with stuff. And I'm uh, renovating a house that I'm trying to sell. So I got I got my hands full. Looking forward to hopefully a normal football season. We'll see about that. But um, yeah, trying to get some get to work in for my kids as much as I can. But they're playing club ball with, a, with another school team that I set up. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm just kind of taking it day day to day like everybody else. Well, hey, Mark, always fun to talk to you and want to thank you for taking some time out. And, and hopefully we'll be seeing you before too long. And uh, oh, yeah. uh, th- we'll be seeing you in uh, Mesa, Arizona next year. You got it, man. I'll drop by the office these days and last you guys a little bit. Hey, sounds good. That is Mark right. Knudsen. And we want to thank our other guests today. We had uh, Adam Young from New Mexico State. And we want to thank you for listening to the WAC Podcast. Thanks for listening to the WAC Podcast. Make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And check out our website at waxsports.com.